welcome to Theatre Club Podcast. We bring you theatre news, theatre reviews, and theatre-themed booze. Booze, darling. Booze, sweetie. Half a pint of shandy, shandy booze. booze. I want to watch Abfab now. Half a pint of shandy, shandy booze. booze. <laughs> I'm Oscar. <laughs> I'm Alice. And welcome to another episode of Theatre Club Podcast. We've got some cool shows to talk about this week. We went to see Zorro, the musical, which has just opened at Charing Cross Mm Theatre. I went to see the Broadway legend Lilius White performing at Crazy Cox with Billy Stritch. And we also went to see Ocean at the End of the Lane, which from the the National National Theatre, which everyone's been raving about. We finally got around to seeing that. So those are our three shows for this week. So let's crack on with it. And do our first show, which is Zorro the Musical, which has just opened at the Charing Cross Theatre that we went to see. This production, I remember, was going to be at the Hope Mill Theatre in Manchester, which is a really small Mm -hmm. theatre in Manchester that do some really good stuff, but that was before the pandemic. So two years on, they've managed to stage it in London at the Charing Cross Theatre. This is a musical that was last in London, I think, in 2008 it premiered, and it is a musical about Zorro. I'm sure most people know the character Zorro, and uh, there was the film with Antonio Banderas. And this uses the music of the Gypsy Kings, who most people know the song Bombaleo. It's their big hit, which does feature in this. So it's kind of like a jukebox musical um, in that it's it's featuring the hits of a, yeah. of a band. But I think there's also, they've written some original music for this as well. Yeah. So this, this tells the story of Zorro and how he became Zorro. Um, so we have Zorro, uh, or Diego, his character. We have his brother, Ramon, and that's it's the sort of classic... You know, the brother plays the villain. It's all very melodramatic. We then have uh, Luisa, who is the kind of Zorro's love interest. And then the sort of secondary love interest, uh, the, uh, you know, she's sort of the secondary pairing, um, who is Inez and Sergeant Garcia. They're the sort of secondary love couple. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, the story is of how Zorro became Zorro. And it's all very swashbuckling, very romantic, very over the top. Uses the music of the Gypsy Kings because Zorro joins a sort of gypsy traveling musical kind of group and they all come over to Los Angeles with him to help fight his evil brother. It's all very silly, very over the top. Yeah, and what did you think tonally? Did it work for you? No, I don't. I just don't think it did. I, I felt like it was a bit kind of overacted and a bit camp and slapstick. Everyone had these great big Spanish accents and like yeah. all the peasants are sort of like... It's a, it's a melodrama, I guess, yeah. isn't it? Which is kind of how I think Zorro started off in maybe like a comic strip in like the 1920s or 19... Like it's a really old sort of serialised adventure story. So I guess they were trying to maybe like tap into that. I just didn't, I just didn't feel like it kind of... I didn't get whether it was meant to be something that was just a bit sort of hokey pokey and like, you know, like all of that kind of... Yeah, I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't love it. Didn't you think love they should it. have made it more funny. Or then there were some really serious bits in it as well. Yeah, and then so it, it kind a... of was like straddling both things, and it didn't do either one kind of justice. Oh, interesting. That's what I thought. And I didn't feel like the character playing Zorro. I didn't think he was great. I just felt like he was. It was. I didn't really believe his performance. It just felt really pantomimey to me. Yes, I think him and Ramon, it was a bit, because that was maybe the more, like, serious part of the story, especially with Ramon. And, the, you know, it didn't feel... he. I think the guy who played Ramon, um, Alex Gibson Giorgio, was good, but maybe his, like... It didn't really feel menacing enough. Like, the, when the guards came... You know his guards. It didn't. They didn't really feel particularly menacing when no. they were like, menacing the villagers the, as the, well. The fight scenes didn't even seem very good to me. Yeah, it all just maybe seemed they really weren't... scrappy and just like it. Just 
it just didn't work. I mean, they did it on a Traverse stage at the Charing Cross, which they often do there. And I thought the set was really nice. It felt like a sort of Spanishy, Spanish colonial style town. Mm-hmm. But maybe it just for the action set pieces, it's just not a big enough space to do sword fights in, perhaps. No, exactly. And there wasn't maybe enough music to like set them to, to make them sort of set pieces. So I don't think they worked as well. But I think what did work really well was the big Gypsy Kings musical numbers like Bombaleo and the other one, the name of which I can't remember, but I recognised. Those kind of numbers that were led by Inez, played by Phoebe Panarettos, those worked much better. Those were like really fun numbers, I thought. Like Bombaleo, I thought was a really big, energetic number. Yeah, they number. did do a good... Yes, they... The cast is good and they like that was I good fun. Especially- but even that song it's just been crowbarred in. It didn't even really make any sense why it was in there. No, I but I think yeah, and I think those moments work better than the narrative songs that I guess the Gypsy Kings have written for this, that where the characters kind of talk about what's actually happening. They don't work as well. But mm. I kind of liked the crowbarred in um numbers because what I will say is that I think at least this has a sound and a style. It's Spanish, it's Gypsy Kings. If a lot of West End stuff sounds fairly similar, mm-hmm. it's either, you know, kind of poppy or it's rocky or it's whatever. This is its own thing. It's Spanish. You're not going to see this in any other show in the West End at the moment. So I thought that was quite fun. And I thought she was amazing. I thought Phoebe, uh, if I'm saying right, Panatera, uh, Pana, Panatos, I thought she was really good. She committed like fully. Like you were saying, you felt that some of it was a bit over the top. I feel like she went... She committed so much that it didn't feel like over the top or cheesy for me. It just, it felt committed mm-hmm. and like, I kind of, I felt she was the most believable. And I also think that um, Paige Fenlon, who played, uh, Luc- uh, was it Lucia, her character? Or Louisa? I thought she, again, really committed to it and she had a really good voice. They both had really good voices. And maybe I think Benjamin Perkis, who played Diego slash Zorro, um, didn't quite have the voice, not that Gypsy King's voice, that Spanish kind of, I don't know what it is, I'm not like a music person, but that uh, that rasp in the voice didn't mm. work. Whereas the guy that was playing that, um, you know, the like percussion box, mm-hmm. I mean, when he sang was... a bit, he had that sort of more authentically Spanish flamenco-y voice. And I thought, oh, it would have been better if Zorro had that too. But I guess that's maybe quite a unique sound to have. But I think the girls pulled it off better and I think they kind of committed to it and like I kind of believed that she was this fiery flamenco gypsy woman. I wasn't restless in it. Like it it moves along really yeah. quickly and everyone's on stage the whole time. So it wasn't boring. I just was well, like, this is, not... this is bonkers. This is so silly. Yeah, the story's super silly. So in the more serious moments when you're supposed to take it seriously, I don't think you did. No. And I don't know what you do about that in a show like this, whether you just make those moments more campy and silly, but then I guess it could all just become a bit nonsense. But I mean, I thought uh, Sergeant Garcia was the more overtly comedic character, and I thought he did a good job. No. Do you not? Oh, did you not? No, I don't like that kind of acting. Mark that Pickering. kind of, like, oh, I've slipped on something. Oh, you've bo- you've bent over and I've kicked you on the bum. Like, it's all a bit Mr. Beanie for me. Uh, oh, okay. I thought I thought it was better than that. I thought he actually had. I think someone could have played that a lot worse. I thought he had some good comedic timing. No, personally, I, I think the good... choreography of his character. I was like, come on, yeah, this but is his a bit performance slapstick. was good. I thought. I thought he carried it quite well. I thought he was quite because you're supposed to kind of like him as well, even though he was on the sort of the baddie side. Yeah. So I thought he did a pretty good job. Um, 
and I yeah I think I liked it a bit more than you maybe I think so um I you know I don't I like you I think I agree with all the points you're saying I don't think the story really works and I think the yeah more melodramatic moments are not very engaging as they should be in the actual story of it's silly but I thought the Gypsy King numbers were quite fun but there maybe wasn't enough of them maybe I know, not I mean you felt the crowbar in but I was kind of just waiting for those moments I'm like just get back in a taverna <laughs> and do another kind of general song for no reason what about I quite like the women wailing the sort of emotional that worked quite well when the women were sort of that's true doing that guttural yeah, that sort good. of vocal thing that was quite um that was the yeah that felt more emotionally engaging and like a bit more powerful but the other stuff all felt a bit silly it was supposed to be emotional ultimately bottom line no one should go and see this oh really but it's so nice to be back in charing cross theater i haven't been there for months and i think no one should go and see this no don't bother oh i don't know i wouldn't say that no don't bother really i'd say it's solidly a three-star show no Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, I'd be, I, I can't think of anybody that I'd be like, yeah, go and see it. Well, look, I guess we got invited to a press night for this one, so we didn't pay mm-hmm. for our tickets. Mm-hmm. And that does affect, from maybe my perspective, I'm like, I really liked it, but I didn't pay for it. So if I'd spent, um, I think the top price seats are £52 for the front row, and then it's like 42 If I'd spent £42, then maybe I would have been a bit more like, oh, that wasn't worth my money. Yeah. God, £42 or £52. I'd be like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, the audience seemed to really love it. It got some really great reaction. Yeah. Everybody the, was I mean, laughing. The really people like... were laughing at some of the jokes in that. I just so maybe don't... it works for some people. Yeah. yeah. I just don't like like broad humour like that. It just really didn't do it for me. But I do love that theatre space. I do really enjoy being in that space and that yeah. theatre is really the staff are amazing it's you can get a great view from all the seats well i was about to say the back row is 28 pounds and that view is going to be just as good really as any other you'll be a bit further back but you'll see everything and so i'd say for me if you do like the gypsy kings or you think that sounds kind of fun like a swashbuckling silly thing with some fun flamenco inspired kind of music then i would say spend 28 pounds um but yeah, I think I I maybe liked it a bit more than you did, but I know I didn't pay for my ticket. So mm. that is that is something that I was sort of very happy to be invited to go and see it yeah. for free. But I don't think I would spend more than £28. No way. But the cast worked really hard. And I think that both Paige Fenlon and um, Phoebe Pan, Panatos, Panertos, I really wish I knew how to say that, they've got real star quality. So I think it's worth seeing for them. I thought they were both brilliant. And I think this might actually be fun for families. Would mm-hmm. be maybe, I know we found it maybe a bit cheesy and clunky in places, the melodrama, you know, but I think families might quite enjoy yeah, the, the sword, sword fighting. Fight. It zipped along. Yeah, the fun music. It's not too hard to follow. So I think maybe this is more of a family show. But like I said, sit back row for 28 quid. Um, and you have until the end of May, 28th of May to see it. They do a Sunday matinee, which is quite nice. Gives something to do at the weekend. So yeah, it was kind of yeah a mixed bag for us. Um, I I had quite a good time, and but I think this is maybe more of a family show. But the cast worked super super hard. I think. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think they were all good. The ensemble yeah. really gave it their all. They really did. It just um, wasn't. It just wasn't a great production. Yeah. So next thing to talk about is, oh yeah, we were going to go to see Lilius White together oh, at the Crazy Cox. So Crazy Cox is a cabaret venue in Brasserie Zadel, which we talked about recently. We went to there before Moulin Rouge. It's like a big Art Deco building. It's beautiful. And in it, there's the cocktail bar 
cabaret bar, which is cabaret seats with lovely little lamps on them. They do table service, service. martinis. Very professional venue, so a really good place to see kind of top quality cabaret. And so I went to see Lilius White. For anyone who does not know Lilius White, you'll probably know her best as one of the voices of one of the muses in Hercules, the Disney film, Mm -hmm. who do all the kind of gospel singing and narration throughout. I think she's got that very first line, that back when the world was new. Oh, Do you remember cool. at the beginning yeah. when they sort of tell the story? Her voice is just incredible. She has played Effie in Dreamgirls in the LA production. She was an understudy and then took it to New York. She was in a lot of Cy Coleman's work. She talks about that in the show. She was in The Life, which was all about sort of New York prostitutes. So this is her first UK cabaret production. So she, the first time she came over here, so I was very excited to go and see her. She is singing songs from Broadway and she kind of hit all the things you want her to. Hit. I think because it's kind of her first time in the UK, she kind of wanted to do her greatest hits rather mm-hmm. than like just new stuff or whatever. So she does Dream Girl. She did I Am Changing, which is my favourite song from that show and her favourite song apparently from it. That was amazing. And she did, she's just played Mama Morton in Chicago. So she did When You're Good to Mama. Ooh, great song. That was really good. She didn't do anything from, her, from Hercules, but That's I guess she wanted to keep it like stagey. Mm. It was really good. And the kind of chat in between, so it was with Billy Stritch, who was Liza's accompanist and musical director for a long time. So he's on piano and Lilius is singing Okay, in the crazy, it's a really small little stage, but he was really good. I think she was quite nervous. This was their first show. And her West End debut. And her, yeah, London debut, first show here. Um, not nervous, it didn't show kind of in the performance in any way, just as in they were, you know, she you got a bit tell. flustered at times when they were like the running order, like yeah. what, what way things went around. But that didn't matter at all because she's so charismatic and funny that she was doing crowd work, talking to the audience. How do you think she found a London audience compared to... Well, it's so different than America. You can just tell because Americans are so used to like, you're having a good night, everybody, and everyone like, woo! Whereas we just don't quite do that in we're the like, same way. <laughs> Yeah, we take longer to warm up, but I think she rolled with that pretty well, as in, I think she kind of got there, okay, you know, didn't mean she stopped doing it, but she was like, I'll have to work a bit harder, and you can't take it personally. I think some Americans might be a bit like, ooh, cold room tonight, and I'm like, no, that's just London, we just take a bit, but everyone was having a really good time. I think We are leading hard lives, we've been through wars, and we're not going to just stand up and give standing ovations the minute you come in the room. It's not even, I don't think it's even that they're like giving, yes, I think, you know, Americans, it's not that they're more sort of fawning, it's just they're more like game for audience interaction and talk, you know, Mm. being part of it. Whereas we're kind of like, oh, we came to see the show, not be the show. Yeah. So we're just a bit more hesitant in that way. But people were having a really good time and she did some good crowd work and her voice is just amazing. So I just implore anyone to look up. Uh, any of her performances online. She did a really good concert version of Funny Girl and her version of Don't Rain On My Parade is amazing. And so watch that. And then there's a good Seth Rodetsky who we saw with Jenna Russell yes. in an evening with Jenna Russell. And he's like a musical theatre. He just knows everything. And he does a video because he was the musical director for that concert. He does a really good video where he analyzes her performance and sort of pauses it and tells you about what they were doing and how she's what she's doing with it vocally and he gets so he's so enthusiastic about musical theatre that just watching him talk about it is so kind of it makes the performance so much more amazing so watch her performance of Don't Moraine and My Parade it's amazing and she just brought all her vocal eccentricities and her her vocal style her rasp her big belting notes her kind of soulful she just does some really uniquely Lilius things with her voice in all of her performances and 
it was just really special to see to Aww. see kind of a performer that you yeah like so a, talk to a me about legend about like where should where did you sit where should people sit and like um, how much all, ticket it's like a small circular room and it's cabaret seating and tables okay. they're all 37 pounds 50 so you i sat right at the back on the back wall but still had a really good view it's so small in there so just sit wherever you can and just get the tickets you can get and like I said, you can get drinks brought to your table. I had a dirty martini. They do such good dirty martini there. Really good quality. Proper bartending. Proper bartending. They, yeah, they serve you at the table, you know, but they sort of move around silently as the show's happening, giving drinks to people. It's just a really kind of classy experience. So this would be really great to go just for a night out on a date or mm-hmm. with friends or... To break up with someone. <laughs> <laughs> no, not to break up with someone. I mean, yeah, you do it in the middle of the show and then run. <laughs> But yeah, just kind of a cool night out. It's classy. It's kind of, you know, it's a nice venue. It's a nice way to see cabaret. There's not that many London cabaret venues of this scale, at least, or, you know, this kind of level of professionalism. Mm. And it's a really fun thing to do. So I just had such an amazing time and so happy that I got to see her. Billy Stritch is also doing his own show later in the evening when she does her seven o'clock, which again is a sort of musical theatre themed thing. And he's singing at a piano. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And he did a few duets with her, which oh, is quite nice. nice. Um, yeah, it was just a really good selection of songs, all the kind of hits of hers that people will want to see from her if they're fans. But if you don't know her, it's not super obscure. It's, you know, Chicago. It's She does a little bit of everything, but all musical theatre, all just, just incredible. She's got such a good voice. And especially because she's, you know, she's old. I don't know how old she is now, but she's been doing this for a long time. Her voice is still so, um, she can still do everything she wants to do with it. Mm-hmm. And she just knows how to control it. And it's got such character. And she's so. She's a pro. Yeah, she's such she's a, pro, a pro. And she's got such good energy. Just absolutely love so her. So if you want to get tickets, you just go onto Crazy Crocs website. Crazy. Uh, I think it's on the uh, Brasserie Zadell website. But I just just type in Crazy Cox, C-O-Q-S, okay. Cox. Um, and she is playing until the 23rd of April, so not long left now. But I'd highly recommend seeing her. Cool. We've got one more show to talk about this week. Yes, we went to see Ocean, Ocean at, at the, the End, end of, of the, the Lane, Lane. Which has been on for ages now. It had an original run at the National Theatre that I remember just I missed, but then remember hearing everyone saying it was incredible. So when it got its West End transfer, came back after covid it was one of the show that I just kept hearing people talking about because obviously Neil Gaiman, who wrote it, has a huge fan base. I've never read any of his books. I I've seen a couple either. of his TV things though, like Good Omens on Amazon and American mm. Gods. I think they're both his. So he does kind of dark, magical fantasy novel style thing, but not Lord of the Rings style fantasy. More like set kind of in our world as as you'd call it, but with the magical entering kind of our realm Demon of Headmaster. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is um, about a young boy who meets a girl. Um, he, his, is his mum dead? Yeah, he lives with his father and his sister. He's not having the best time, but he meets a girl from the farm next door and she, you quickly sort of discover, is not everything she seems to be. And, and her, her family aren't either. Her and her family are basically... And magic. They're basically kind of otherworldly, and they're like guardians magical. to a portal, kind yes. of. Yes, and something maybe crosses over, and it all gets very sort of dark. It's very Stranger Things. If you've watched that TV show I mean, on yeah, Netflix, it does it's have a super really, Stranger Things vibe. Yeah, it's really like that. Yeah, this production, I can see why everyone loves it. It's so inventive. I mean, lots of people have been to see it. I'm sure most of our listeners. It seems like everyone on Instagram that yeah. we follow had already seen it, and we. That's why I was so desperate to see it, and. The staging is really impressive. The stagecraft yes. is top-notch. Like, the way that they have done the 
demons, the way that they've done certain things to, to, to talk about time moving is so clever. Like the scenery, mm-hmm. the props, the costumes, all of that, all the tricks are fantastic, aren't they? Yeah, they've obviously read the source material and thought, this will be difficult, let's do it. And let's think of a way to do that bit of magic and let's think of a way to do that bit of magic. Yeah, in it's a kind of... really, and the music was great. Mm. I thought the music that went with it was really cool as well. Yeah. Like it looks, the, like it's 10 out of 10 for style. Absolutely, I can see why this transferred and I can see why it's doing so well. It kind of covers the bases as well because it I could just see this appealing to so many people because it's fantasy, but it's sort of grounded in real world stuff. It's got music, it's not a musical, but it's got a music sensibility. It's got darkness to it. So I feel like anyone going to see it, it's not cheesy or silly or it's... I could just see this appealing to so many people, hence why it's done so well and is doing so well. And we went to see it with our mum and she really loved it as well. Again, because we all just love theatre and it's so theatre the stagecraft of it all, the way they've done everything, from simple effects to big, impressive lighting, sound design effects. It's just, uh, yeah, it's a really brilliant show. I'm so glad we went to see it. And I'm also glad we managed to get tickets for £25. Let's talk about that. So let's talk about how you can get tickets to see this, because it's amazing. The National Theatre are doing Friday Rush, which we've mentioned previously, and that's every Friday you can get £10 seats. You go onto their website at 1pm and you will then be able to get tickets um, for a few shows that are sh- performing the following week. So um, this is this is one of the shows, Ocean at the End of the Lane. So just log on, you can get two tickets and you go into a queue and those tickets will be £10, which is incredible value. Yeah. However, we didn't do that, did we? No, we missed it. We were going to do that on the Friday before and forgot. Yeah. So, so we did Today Ticks. On the day. On the day. Again, it's a Sunday matinee show, which we like. So oh, we yes, went into the Sunday, Sunday matinee. matinee. Yeah. So we, at 10am, logged on. You got two tickets for you and mum. You got two tickets for you and... Who no, did? I just got one ticket for me. Oh, you just got me. one ticket for yourself, that's right. And so we were sat in separate places. We both paid £25. I was in the first circle dress circle two rows back kind of on the edge but I had a fantastic view and at that theatre Duke York's is it Mm -hmm. it's really I really like that circle because it's really small it's only maybe four or five rows deep oh interesting so it didn't feel super crowded up there which is quite nice especially in like Covid times every time you go to theatre you're you know masks are being worn less and less and less now so you're kind of rolling the dice with with the COVID thing always, which mm. is obviously how things are now. Yeah. Um, but being in that smaller circle felt kind of nice, actually, from that perspective. Well, that we I wasn't were surrounded sat, by people. We were sat down in the stalls and we had, I think we were maybe row D, so like four okay. from the front, and we had excellent seats. Yeah. They were really good. I w- was thinking, like, the stage is quite high, so mm-hmm. I think if you perhaps were to get front row or even second row, mm. you might be it a bit like, looking ooh. up a bit much. Yeah. I really think it's... And especially for the scenery, we don't want to give away like what what it looks like because that's the best thing about the show, in my opinion, is the stage, like the scenery. Yeah. So go and sit in the top row, though. Uh, sorry, go and sit in the first circle. Yeah, dress circle. If in you the can. dress circle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think those two ways of getting tickets are such a good way to do it. Yes, um, £25 today ticks rush or on day, £10. If um, you can do it on the Friday. Yeah. Yeah, and you've got until, when is this running? May the 14th. Saturday, 14th of May is the yeah, final performance. So you've got a little while to go and see it. Uh, yeah, I really recommend this one. I can see why it's doing so well. It's just a sort of slick production, great music. Everything just comes together really harmoniously. Yeah, yeah that was, um, I'm so glad we saw that. 
Yeah, I think we've seen some good things. I know you weren't as keen on Zorro. I was a little bit more keen on that. <laughs> Lilius White, so sad you couldn't come. Another week passes that we haven't managed to get Cabaret. Oh, like yes, the, we've the entered lottery. the lottery a few times. Must keep doing that. Mm. I'm wondering if they're going to continue to be able to sell seats at that price without big stars. Because I know the current cast of you know, are fairly well-known, but they're not Eddie Redmayne. Um, I wonder if the rest of the run, because it's been extended now through October or something... I wonder who they'll get in next, whether they'll go back to having a big star to try and get people back in, or whether they'll stick with like the casting they've done for this second cast of um, more musical theatre-based people. Hmm. Be interesting. But yeah, we should keep entering the lottery, because we need to give that a good try before we eventually just have to save up like 150 <laughs> quid and go for it. Oh, the thing is, we also want to we want to go back and see Moulin Rouge, and that and that's ain't expensive. Cheap. I mean, I would I think I'm going to save up to try and see Cabaret first. Okay. Um, and just, we're going to keep entering that lottery. That lottery, do you do that on Today Ticks or do you have to go onto their website? I can't Today remember. Ticks. You can do it by Today Ticks. Yes. Okay. So that lottery you enter every day from midday? From, no, I think it's or from, from later. 10. And oh, it's, from 10. And, but it, it closes at 3. Closes at 3 and then you get sent an email notification. So you've got to have your notifications on because they'll ping you and say you've won uh, three hours before the show maybe. And then you have to respond within 30 minutes. Otherwise, you ain't won no more. They're really trying to weed out people that are, you know, not serious about well, also, it or maybe yes, like reselling the tickets and stuff. But also, if you just don't check your email, they're not going to risk having those tickets go to waste. So but I'll be interested oh. to see what tickets you get. Circle, stalls. Yeah, where are they? I don't know. If anyone's we been must... or anyone's been successful in this lottery, please um, reach out to us on our On Instagram, Instagram at Club Podcast, for sure. For sure. Yeah, so hopefully we'll see that soon. Okay, what else have we got coming up? We're going to talk about Come From Away, I think, in the oh, next yes, episode. Because you've finally been to see it. I'm going to see it again. So once I've seen it again, we'll have a chat about that. Okay, cool. And then Oklahoma is coming up very soon at the Young Vic. And I am super excited to see that. This production was on Broadway and it's coming over to the Young Vic. It did really well over there. It's kind of a modern, updated version of the classic Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. And I'm going to be really interested to see that. As the listeners, our loyal listeners will have noticed, we didn't do a top tip and we haven't done a cocktail in this episode. <laughs> Sorry to break the format, but we are trying to keep this one a little bit more short because it's the Easter weekend holiday and we've come back down to our parents' house and the sun is shining. We want to get out there. We want to get the out Easter in eggs, that sun I'm at the sure moment. We're sat out there. Oh, as if. <laughs> never get easter eggs no. i mean literally the minute we arrived mum was like i'll tell you right now there's no easter eggs i mean we are grown adults but still i feel like so selfish yeah, get us a bloody easter egg mum you bitch <laughs> so yeah we just want to get out in that sun so no top tip i'm afraid although oklahoma uh, get tickets for that at the oh, young yes. that's well probably done, a top Oscar. tip yeah and cocktail we're gonna go have one now we just can't be bothered to um <laughs> what should we have Bloody Mary? Yeah, Bloody Mary. It's kind of afternoon vibe, so I feel like Bloody Mary is that sort of drink. It's an acceptable thing to drink drink at 3 p.m. Exactly. So thanks again for listening to this episode of Theatre Club Podcast. Uh, We'll be back soon with Oklahoma and Come From Away, probably. That's it from us. That's it from us. Follow us, as always, on at Theatre Club Podcast on Instagram. And wherever you get this podcast, please make sure you subscribe, of course. Leave a review if you like on iTunes. Five-star review only. Thanks for listening to Theatre Club Podcast. Bye. Bye.